Welcome to the latest Pink Podcast in the Pink Elephant Podcast Series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Hello, my name is Jack Probst. I'm an IT management consultant with Pink Elephant. I spend my days, it seems, uh, here recently talking to executives within various IT organizations about Idle, but more importantly, about version 3, or the version that was released in May of this year. And one of the questions that continually surfaces, so help me understand what's version 3, what's it about, what impact might it have on my organization, especially around such things as training. So what I'd like to do is take a few minutes of your time today to talk a bit about version 3, give you a bit of an overview of the lifecycle view, contrast that a little bit with the the process view, which was version 2, and then talk briefly about the certification process, how that might affect your training. So our agenda today, just briefly talk a little bit about IDLE and its background, and then we're going to talk more about the life cycle itself and how we've moved from this process perspective into a life cycle view and what has that done as respects the documentation. And then dive into a bit more detail about the version 3 life cycle and its integrated processes. And then finally, we're going to talk about idle certification and what changed from V2 to V3. So let's get started. So idle. If you've not been introduced to EIDL in the past, EIDL was developed as an effort on the part of the government of the United Kingdom back in the 80s, and the first version was released in the early 90s. And the first version was released as a series of books, and those books had become a bit of a de facto standard on the European continent as organizations were investigating how they could manage their IT organizations more effectively. And then in 97, Pink Elephant was instrumental in bringing the EIDL framework to North America. Shortly after that, there was another effort to rethink and reinvigorate the EIDL framework, and that resulted in the version 2 series of books. And it's those series of books that we've all come to know and love, and the count being 7 or 8 or 9, depending on which books you want to count in the collection. But the most important of those books and the books that we typically talk about are the service support and service delivery books. And so those books presented a very focused process view of managing IT in both the operational and the tactical space. As we come to know EIDL, and we've talked about EIDL and we've designed processes around EIDL, we've designed those processes around the service support and service delivery frameworks. So the service delivery and service support processes are those processes that help us focus on the tactical and operational side of the house. What I'd like to do now is talk about how have we moved from managing in a a process flow uh, sort of way, how have we moved from that to a completely different perspective? And that new perspective is version 3 of the EIDL framework. So version three is a series of five books, and those five books are organized around a life cycle, and you'll see the the life cycle in a bit more detail in a minute. But those five books are the service strategy, service design, transition, operation, and continual service improvement. The focus of service strategy is I want to understand what I need to do as an IT organization to support the business, both today, tomorrow, next month, 
18 months, two years from now. And if there's any gaps in my ability to deliver services to the business, what is it that I need to plan for in order to close those gaps? That becomes my strategy. The strategy then becomes invigorated through and becomes substantiated as a set of requirements through the design process. And the service design process incorporates not only the, say, the requirements gathering that's needed in order to uh, affect and make a, a plan real, but it also includes a lot of those planning processes that were incorporated in the old service delivery books, such as availability management and capacity management. And then once I have my plans complete, then I need to build, test, and initially implement the design into the operational environment. And that describes service transition. So I work through the concept of what are the testing, what are the release and deployment, what are the change management processes that are necessary in order, to me, order for me to move from both design well into operation. And then finally, of course, we're going to put those services that we've stood up, either we've changed or we've developed new, we're going to put them into operation. That's where we're going to spend 80% of our life, let's face it. That's where we spend most of our time in IT. And the service operation book describes very clearly what's necessary so that we can cost efficiently and very effectively deliver services to the business. Then finally, the continual service improvement stage of the life cycle focuses on the fact that not all the processes are going to be perfect right out of the box, and we are either going to improve the services themselves that are being delivered to the business, or even those processes that underlie the delivery of services, those may need to be improved or the bar raised relative to performance. Continual service improvement addresses that. And finally, there's another book called The Official Introduction to the Idle Service Lifecycle, and this provides sort of that overarching umbrella description of the, the library as a whole. And then the last piece and component of the library will be the complementary guidance, which will be a web-based approach to extracting information that will be developed by the original authors as well as practitioners such as yourself. All right, so let's look at a little more depth about the life cycle and the life cycle processes. So on the screen, you see a, a depiction that is uh, the commonly accepted view of the life cycle. And you see at the heart of the life cycle is strategy. Now, inside of strategy, the processes that are described within the strategy book are the service strategy process itself. In other words, how do I develop a service strategy or a service management strategy? And then how do I make decisions in terms of which services might I be adding to my portfolio of services that are made available to the business, or maybe which ones I'm going to improve or possibly retire? That decision practice is defined within the process called service portfolio management. And then financial management, very typical of what we saw in version two, we're managing the financial resources and assuring that those financial resources that are necessary in order to run IT are being managed with the appropriate uh, level of acumen and using the, the necessary standards to record both expenses and revenue. And then finally, demand management. You might say, why is demand management a service strategy? And, you know, the, at first blush, it would seem that it'd be part of capacity management, right? That was what was in version two. I need to understand demand management because I need to understand what is the effect of delivering those services over time. And as I get good at delivering those services, 
my demand would go up? Or what if the business is going to make a change and they're no longer going to have need for a service because they've made a uh, decision to possibly downsize a portion of their business? Then I need to accommodate that within my plans. Demand management is now part of service strategy. Then as I move from my plans into the design phase, understanding exactly what it's going to take in order for me to to translate the plan into something more tangible. All the design processes focus on that transition. So the first of those processes is understanding and managing the whole catalog of services that I'm going to make available to the business, but also what are those catalog of services that underpin that. And so service catalog management maintains the currency of all of those services Um, and a description of those services in a document called the service catalog. So service level management focuses on managing the relationship between IT and the business and IT within itself and its individual suppliers. Those relationships are governed by service level agreements that establish how effectively I'm going to deliver the services to the business. And then all of those agreements between IT and itself, those agreements that define what's necessary in order for me to appropriately deliver services to business, and I would define those through an agreement called operating level agreements. And then if I need to buy services from the outside, I'd manage those through contracts called supplier contracts. Supplier management then is what I use to assure that I'm getting the value from the suppliers that I have under contract, get the value for the dollar. Capacity management, do I have enough services and the capacity of those services to meet the changing and evolving needs of the business over time? And availability management focuses very specifically on the services that the business needs. Are they available at the points in time when the business needs it, as it needs it, at the particular performance levels that it, that it requires? Service continuity management is not your typical disaster recovery plan. Instead, in version 3, we're very, very clear about the fact that we're tying service continuity activities from the IT side of the house into the business continuity management processes and practices, strategies, and plans. So there's a very tight alignment between IT service continuity management and business continuity management. And then finally, information security management is about managing the information security function, not about deciding what's the best approach to handling denial of service attacks and things of that nature. So all of these processes, when I say all of them, the capacity management, availability, service continuity, and information security might say, wow, these also show up at other stages of the life cycle, right? Wouldn't this be the case? And that's true. But I need to build the requirements for the plans around which I'm going to manage and, and include considerations for things such as capacity and later stages. It all starts here in design. Service transition, as I said earlier, was how am I going to build, test, and initially implement. And so the processes that specifically focus on that start with transition planning support. And this particular process is the process we use to overarch or provide an umbrella for all of the activities that are needed in order to begin the implementation or translation from the design into the actual product that will be rolled into production. And so all of the other practices in the transition lifecycle stage are planned for and managed through transition planning and support. 
Of course, change management is one that we all know and love, and it's typically the one process that most organizations start with. But in version two, it was very clear that change management was really smack in the middle of the service support processes. The same is true in service transition. We're managing the risk of changes to our infrastructure and assuring that those changes generate as minimal a risk as possible such that I'm not putting the business um, the, the viability of the business at risk as a result of making infrastructure changes. Service asset and configuration management is an extension of the old configuration management process. Uh, we've added service asset because it's service assets that we are creating for consumption by the business, but we're still managing the CMDB through the service asset and configuration management process. Release and deployment, huge lift in the process, it used to be known as release management. And now what we talk about is building the releases, the the actual work to create the and test the release and then deploying it into the environment. So we may build the release once, but we deploy it many times. And deployment also focuses much on assuring that users are ready for the new services or the updated services when they arrive. Service validation is the testing process to assure that when the processes are implemented, they're implemented with the highest quality possible. And then evaluation focuses instead on are the services as they've been delivered, are they meeting the requirements of the business over time? And then finally, knowledge management. Really glad to see knowledge management was included. It was a process that is embedded in other processes such as incident management and is used heavily by the service desk. And it's the process that describes how is it that I capture what I've done in the past, been successful with in the past, and that I can reuse in the future to solve uh, potential future problems. Then we move on to service operation. We put the services in play in service transition. They've been handed off, and now I'm managing the day-to-day operations. And so I manage those day-to-day operations with event management. Event management focuses on those items that pop up through our mon- my monitoring activities of the, the infrastructure, say, through the NOC, and I need to know what I'm going to do with these things called events. And event management deals very specifically with filtering, analyzing, and making decisions about um, events. Events can turn into incidents. So in the event that a service is no longer available or the quality of the service has been diminished, I call that an incident, and I have a specific set of activities that assure that I can restore either the service or the quality of service as rapidly as possible and minimize impact to the business. Request fulfillment is brand new to version 3. In version 2, what we did was we considered a service request to be a special case of an incident, and that was always a bit of a challenge for organizations to implement. So instead, what the authors have done is that they have extracted request fulfillment from incident management and is now its own process, Uh, and service requests can take the, the shape of I need to procure something, I provide access to something, I may even need to manage a standard change. Problem management, for those items in the infrastructure that uh, we see again and again and again and we don't know what's causing them but we've made a decision that we need to fix uh, whatever it is that's causing the incidents to occur, problem management deals with the life cycle of understanding, analyzing what's at the heart or the cause, the root cause of this either major incidents or trends of incidents and then resolving what needs to be done to remove 
that cause permanently from the infrastructure. And then finally, access management. Access management is the it's an outgrowth of security management, but it is the process that assures that those folks who have need to access certain elements within our infrastructure, that they're given those rights and those rights are appropriately managed. And then finally, there is one process in continual service improvement. The seven-step improvement process is the process that helps us understand what data needs to be measured, what do we do with the data when we extract it from the environment, how do we make decisions with respect to what that data is telling us, and then how do we put those decisions into play. That seven-step improvement process provides an excellent form of guidance for organizations to improve both their services as well as their ability to deliver services over time. Now, of course, you may say, wow, that's a bunch of stuff. How am I going to train people up on that? The new qualification scheme focuses on doing exactly that. Although this looks like a very ugly chart, let me see if I can simplify it for you. So the very base level of training is called the foundation training. Now, we've had many people who've been through version 2 training already. You may have already made the decision to train your folks up on idle, but it was the version 2 form of idle. If you have individuals who have a version 2 foundation certificate and they want to take version 3 courses, there is a new course that's being made available called the version 3 bridge. And that course is a one-day course that bridges the individuals from the 11 processes plus one function that's discussed in version 2 to what's needed to understand all the new processes and and lifecycle view as described in version 3. And then, of course, at that point, individuals are then ready to take on the intermediate level. Now, if you have individuals who have not taken version 2 and they would like to have a foundation-level view and uh, have access to the version 3 intermediate-level courses, then, of course, there is a version 3 foundation class. It's a three-day class um, and also has a certificate exam at the end. And then you notice that we have two different types of intermediate-level classes for version 3. There's the capability modules and the lifecycle modules. The capability modules are courses that focus on clusters of processes, much as the, the current practitioner cluster classes in V2. Um, but then there's also going to be a set of classes that will focus on individual books, such as the service strategy book or the operations book. The next level above the intermediate level will be the diploma level. And in order to achieve the diploma level, you will have to have received 22 credits from taking both the foundation as well as the intermediate level classes and also taking a class called Managing Through the Life Cycle. When you aggregate all of those classes and the point values associated with taking those classes, once you've received 22 credits, then an idle diploma will be awarded which will recognize your understanding of the and the depth of your understanding of the EIDL framework. Now, there's also an opportunity to achieve the EIDL diploma if you already have your service manager certificate, and that was awarded at the V2 level. Um, there will be a version 3 manager's bridge class, a five-day class that individuals be able to take and once they've accomplished the, the bridge class and, and have passed the exam, then they too could be awarded the EIDL diploma. And then finally, there will be an advanced level diploma, uh, the details of which are still evolving. So what's been the changes? Well, let's, let's talk about that just very quickly. First of all, in V2, we talked about business and IT alignment. 
Whereas in version three, what we talk about is not so much alignment, where I'm trying to make sure that what I do in IT is kind of lining up with what I'm doing in the business. What I'm trying to understand is how is it that what I'm doing in IT is lining up with what is being done in the business. Instead, in version three, what we really truly do consider is the fact that the activities that we do in IT, the activities that we perform in IT, are activities that are integral to the business. And, and really and truly, we can't separate what we do in IT from the business. And so as such, we try to manage our delivery of our services in such a way that we facilitate business outcomes and create value for the business. We also are moving away from considering ourselves supporting a value chain and moving instead to understanding that all of our services that we provide actually network um, across and throughout the business. And so instead of thinking in terms of multiple value chains and how we support that, instead what we are focusing on is what is it that we are doing in terms of this this network or interconnectedness of our services and bringing value to the business. And those service catalogs in the past have been fairly static. Once they've been stood up, they're, they're pretty much in place and maybe they're adjusted on, on an annual basis. But through service portfolio management, instead what we're managing a service portfolio that may change dynamically over time in recognition of the needs of the business and the, the decisions that are being made to stand up either new services or changing services such that we maximize the return to the business. And then finally, in version two, we had integrated processes, more of a process flow view, whereas in version three, we are thinking more in terms of a life cycle perspective and one that, in essence, builds upon itself again and again and being fed by changes in strategy and being improved over time through continual service improvement. So in summary, here's a great depiction of all of the services and functions that are have been stood up inside of version 3. And you can see there's quite a bit that's different from the version 2 world. That doesn't mean that it's something that is so daunting that it shouldn't be undertaken. Instead, we believe that it creates great lift to the IT organizations and providing some substance to understanding what are good practices that the organization can use to help them manage their operations for the benefit of the business in a more cost-efficient and effective manner. But as you say, well, I've already started down the V2 path. Should I stop what I'm doing and then embrace all of these new processes? And what my answer to you would be is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Version 2 worked quite successfully for us in the past, there is an opportunity for us to improve those version 2 processes over time with the material that's been added from version 3. There may be some gaps in your current processes that can be supplemented by the new version 3 work. So in a nutshell, that's it. Version 3, great addition to our understanding of what's necessary in order to manage IT. We have a more focused view in terms of what we and IT can do to support the business, and most specifically, how can we support the business, create value, and meet its own objectives and goals. There's very tight alignment between the IT services and the business processes they support, and it does provide, I believe, the mechanism for us to be very successful here in the 21st century. So thank you very much. I hope this has added to your understanding of version 3 and how to apply it in your own organization.